You know, if we're ever going to live in a wholesome way again, I'd say that these these stewards, these gods that we are, you know, we've learned to destroy the planet, we've learned to reach other planets, we've increased our capacity and our human performance in ways that are amazing. Can we increase our compassion in that way? Because when we see again these animals, this wildlife, these simple people who live near the land, there's something that you can't unsee there. And I think the more people that can have those kinds of experiences, the richer the transition will be. Gaia, Hello. Mother, Mother Earth, welcome to Wake the Fake Up. You and I have been weaving for the last uh, three months, something four like months, that, something yeah. like that. I had the pleasure of meeting you at a tantric workshop up in Ojai with some dear brothers and sisters and mm-hmm. family, and uh, you were a force to be reckoned with instantaneously. I don't know if we were going to be boxing, wrestling, holding each other, crying <laughs> with each other, but as soon as I looked you into the eyes, I realized I saw my counterpart counterpart energetically. And now I just found out you're also a one three. You're a manifesting generator. Yep. I'm a one three generator. Mm-hmm. So we're both coded with the warrior, the fighter, the investigator, mm-hmm. and the martyr. And we'll yeah. die for the cause. Absolutely. And I see that in you. Mm-hmm. Who the hell are you? Just Who the hell am I? Synopsis. First thing I want to thank you for inviting me here. And your house, the wellness house, this is a house of wellness, and I feel that. Honor that, first off. Enjoyed it very much. Who am I? I have no fucking idea who I am. Um, I think in answer to that question, I'm I'm like a multidimensional wild woman who... Who's constantly changing shape and form? I'm a sort of shapeshifter. I feel so blessed. I've lived so many lives in this one lifetime. Mm. You know, I've been through phases of like vagabond, hippie dumb, and and opulent party nightlife and academic exploration and you know now ecological regeneration. And I'm just I'm lucky to be alive, and I'm lucky I think to. Trust life enough to let it rip me by the horns and take me down into that territory where I'm willing to die for whatever feels fucking right. Mm, I love that. And that's what gives you clarity to really value the present Mm. because you've gone through so many fires. You've gone through so many ups and downs. I remember when we first met, you were sharing some of those stories from Mm -hmm. the opulent life in New York City and some of the high stage events that you were a part of and Mm -hmm. then immediately going, getting thrusted into other, you know, uncomfortable zones. And now you find yourself into a space where you're, you know, you're summoned almost to be a teacher Mm -hmm. and to be someone that leads people through multidisciplinary, you know, traditions and archetypes Mm. and foundational, you know, love creation and bonding. How did you get into that? What, what's, what sparked that? What sparked that was actually, it's part of this Dharma, I guess. When I was a child, I would, um, I grew up in a very sex positive environment or body positive environment. Your parents? My parents, really beautiful, like Catholics from their upbringing, but really open-minded. And they filled me with this notion that to be a human was to be a lover of the heart and a lover in the physical body. And there was no shame in that. I wasn't shamed. And and so I used to, um, I see the women in Playboy magazine and I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be a beautiful, gorgeous woman who, you know, was... um, 
desire. adored, desired, yeah. desired, you know, and adored and beautiful and in her power in that way. But I also wanted to be a nun. I was really taken by Jesus Christ, uh, not that I'm a Christian today, but I was taken by this, this rapture that was available in this direct connection with, with something so much more innocent and so much more alive than humans. You know, I was I was raised around a lot of war and around a lot of, yeah, war. I come from a military clan, if mm. you will. And so somehow these two interests kept me moving all through life. And at one point, a bunch of women asked me to teach them how to do erotic dance, which was a part of my history. And I started working with them around... Um, what it was to feel like an empowered woman in a woman's body, shamelessly a woman, honoring my eros as a part of my beauty and my life, and started to work with them. And I saw there was just this organic gift, if you will, and people just kept calling me back to do it, and I kept studying more. So it was a really organic expression, uh, a calling, if you will. It wasn't like, I was like, oh, I need to become a spiritual teacher. It was more like, Come do something with us. We need. We want you. And I was like, how how do I show up there? So I you think, felt the you felt the pull. It resonated with you. Yeah. As the mo, as you sparked it, momentum happened. Yeah. And then it just opened you up into the studies and philosophy because you're very well versed from what I've gathered. Mm-hmm. And um, well, that's what I mean yeah. about my interests. I'm I'm a geek. I was actually in school a complete geek. I studied calculus and philosophy and. I'm just a bookworm. Most of my childhood was spent in a bedroom solving puzzles and reading text. Investigator. Investigating information. Yeah. You've asked me 10,000 questions since we met. Uh, which probably. Is, which well, is great. I'm fascinated by your 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 work. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally yeah, yeah. fascinated by the science no, of I your work. I respect that. Yeah. I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm constantly investigating. And the mythology of ancient times and this, you know, this desire to have this connection to spirit that was since my childhood opened up into a study of mythologies from all over the world. You know, first the Greeks, of course, because I'm an American woman. And so the Greeks came through to me. And then I had this vision that I needed to have dreadlocks at some point. And so I didn't know why. And so I studied what what is this dreadlock thing back in the early 90s. I found a 100-page internet paper about dreadlocks. And that took me into the studies about Shiva and Kali and the destroying gods and goddesses of the Hindu tradition. And at university, I studied economics and gender and sexuality studies at NYU. And there I, um, I was already studying a lot about gender. And so I was looking at this tantric Hindu. I was like, oh, wow, there's, you know, there's the sociology and the anthropology of gender. But now here I can see the spirituality of gender written in, in a new way. Sure. And so that yeah catapulted me into a study of the Persian stuff and the Magdalene stuff. And I just, I can't stop eating information. Would you say all of this, so Tantra is basically to merge, to weave, to yep. combine energies, to turn mm-hmm. into like a prism almost. Would you see all of those traditional foundational um, mythology slash um, ancient teachings as the poetic dance? of souls colliding and how integration works hmm. through through archetypes? I, I'm very Joseph Campbell-esque in that way. Like okay. I really, this idea that 
through the myths that we've created, these archetypes exist and they become bigger than us. They, the, we as humans invest the energy in it and that makes it real. And then So we have to know what it is? We have to know what it is first in order to experience it? No. Or they're in there? They're in there. It's in yeah. the collective consciousness of the human. So I want to go back just a, a moment to talk about Tantra because this is actually something important to me about the understanding of it. Tantra, as I see it in the modern age, has become really synonymous with sex. And I want to deconstruct that a little bit. I feel like that's, if I've got a stage to speak on, I feel that this is really important. Um, because you talked about it being about the weaving and the union. And that the sexual metaphors in Tantra are designed to metaphorically help us experience what it is for polarities to weave together. But the real weaving that Tantra is speaking about is the weaving between our humble animal pissing, shitting, fucking human self mm. and the highest spirit-guided part of ourself. That's the lovemaking. It's the, the angel and the animal. Mm. That's the lovemaking that Tantra is really speaking of. It's not a religion. Tantra is really a philosophy. It's a philosophy that says, that is post-Vedic, and it, it says, I'm not trying to use my body as a vehicle to leave my body, but I'm actually using my body to be God here on this earth. And Tantra asks us to actually recognize that as humans who have the power to destroy the earth, it is our responsibility to become agents of healing and transforming this earth as humans and to be willing to take the responsibility that that freedom gives us. Mm. Sorry for the soapbox. But, no, please keep but going. So, I think this is, a, this is really a root awareness of what Tantra truly is. So it's the yeah. inward spiral of completely accepting all that you are yes. in this realm, whatever this is. And not running away in a nihilistic fear into hedonism. Tantra actually asks us to embrace our desires, and that gets very confused in the modern world. Right. Because it's not an invitation to sort of fall into our hedonistic dopamine junkie kind of that's not even desire promiscuous pleasure chasing it's yeah pleasure it's desire is the arrow is what tantra says it's not the the permission for indulgence but it does say okay i desire let's let's use sexuality i desire to have a i desire to make love to somebody yeah i have this desire to make love with them or to connect with them. And it might originally be a desire to just simply fuck them because they're really pretty, right? But then I follow that desire and I keep my heart and my mind open and I recognize, oh my gosh, there's nothing sexual here at all. That sexual energy is a drive to create with this person or serve this person in some way or to inspire this person in some way. And maybe it is a desire to indulge in some kind of pleasure together. It's not it's so much more than just the sex. But it's so much more right. than just that. And it's, it's creation energy. And desire is the arrow. And it's important in Tantra that we honor desire, but we don't be become attached to it. Right. Detachment is not like a lot of people I, I see in the modern world are like detached in the sense that it's almost like, like a nihilistic escape. Mm. Detachment is really honoring. Yeah, I feel a desire. I feel a desire to change this planet. Mm. I feel a desire to heal this planet. And I'm going to follow it. But if I get attached, I will fall into the martyr that you and I both share, that I will destroy myself. I will forget to relish in the moment. I will forget, you know, I'll become like um, 
Like a, a full-on martyr, I'll find myself on the cross Absolutely. like Jesus. Too, too out of the body, too, and, too far in the clouds, too much well, of and ideology. Too, and too actually much a warrior for the cause. Sure. You know, like it's like I can fight the battle for the cause, but I can't be so attached to it that I let myself fall on the battlefield into death or addiction or all the other ways that we can die. So Tantra is teaching you to to embrace all the qualities of life, all the desires, yet remain grounded and stable. And open. And open. And unattached. And unattached. But to keep, no matter how, where that desire wants to go, no matter how many times I miss the the point, no matter how impossible the outcome is. You know, if, if I had my way, we would all remember that actually each of us has a desire for utopia. And if we keep our rudder pointed towards utopia and keep our actions pointed that way, we will all, as a humanity, find a greater, richer life. That's right. But a lot of what we're living is taking us away from trusting that arrow. So we're in a false identity right now yeah. as a species, as a collective mm. consciousness. Well put. Right? Yeah. How many people on this earth right now today, let's say there's 8 billion people, mm -hmm. how many people are actually embodying why they've incarnated here, what their chosen dharma is, right. and bringing up that level of happiness and awareness to their sphere, uh, their, their microspheres mm -hmm. of influence. And that's probably the main reason why we're in the state of affairs we are, where we have systems that are completely unguided by intention, mm -hmm. that are all based on debt capitalistic enslavement. Like the GDP, man. It's yeah. like GDP, GDP, <laughs> GDP, without yeah. looking at the big picture of utopia. Mm -hmm. And so, the, I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm receiving this. Tantra could be a big part of the solution, right? Because it be, yeah. it's through all of these acts that we create life on earth, mm -hmm. that we create family life, and people are stepping into their power. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, what I think about that is Tantra is not about sex, mm -hmm. but we can talk about sexual energy or life force energy. And that is, it's a pure kind of power. It is the power of creation. And yes, it could be used to create families mm -hmm. and create children and create, um, yeah, that schools. kind of use, schools. And, but it can also be used to create everything that gets created. Everything. Everything. Is, and, and this, I, this is kind of a funny thing to say after what I said at the beginning, but everything's kind of a cosmic fuck, right? right? But it's this this power, this purity of the power, and not to that it, we don't rele relegate that power to one place. Mm -hmm. What do I think about families? I mean, if you ask me, my honest opinion is there is an overpopulation of humans problem. Mm -hmm. If you look at, I don't, I'm not great with statistics because you can kind of make them say whatever you want, but basically the amount of mammalian life on the planet is it's like 98 percent livestock that humans eat and use and humans yeah wildlife is relegated to next to nothing today wild mammalian life yeah. if you look at the land creatures maybe it's a bit bigger with the water creatures whatever i know some people Over find the last that 200 years that scale if you skyrocketed skyrocketed yeah I'm not going to go there, but that gets into a lot of conversations. About, well, I will go there to some degree. We're really, we're animals. And as animals, we want to live. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, and we want to thrive and we want to succeed. And we have a competitive um, framework. You know, this plant's looking for the light. Even in this closed room, this plant is looking for the light. And it will compete with that plant for the light. Yeah. It's very natural. But those plants don't have the capacity to push a little red button and destroy the whole planet. Right. This is why the tantric philosophy of us taking responsibility for being an aspect of God is 
quite necessary. And I don't mean that to be, we've already taken that on. We are God in a yeah. way. True steward, like a true to, steward. Like a true steward. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good way to put it. Right. But we actually have the power to destroy this whole place. Yeah. And if we have that power, we have to take the responsibility. Absolutely. And so childbearing is a responsibility. And it's one, we need the right people, right people, that's harsh, but... It's true we need another generation, but we also need people who choose not to have children, who choose to nourish the children that are born and, and offer them more self more guidance. You know, like I, I have a lot of at Inanita, which I guess we'll talk about at some point. I No, let's get let's get Well, into yeah, it. I welcome so, so. a lot of millennials there. And I don't have biological children, but I have so many children where, on the planet. Where do you live? I live in Nicaragua. Okay on an island called Ometepe in a community called Inanita yep. that I founded about 15 years ago. Amazing. It was founded on the principle that, um, well, you know, it was founded in 2008, and we were looking at one of these other apocalyptic, the world is going to end thing, and permaculture had become really popular, and ecological... The Bioneers Festival was really big, and you know, ecological. Mayan movement. calendar was on its way. Mayan calendar was on its way. <laughs> we're, we're gonna. I knew there was some apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. about to happen. I, was, I forgot what it was called <laughs> because it was Y two K before that, and then the other destruction is going to happen later. I've been through enough of them. Right. But somehow I was moved by this, and so we founded a community based on the idea that humans needed to evolve and. We needed to evolve along with the earth, and culture needed to evolve. And there was a collective movement based on fear that was, oh, my God, we've got to, everything's going to fall apart. We've got to get back to the land, kind of more of a hoarder kind of philosophy. 11th hour. Yeah, 11th hour of fear, by, yeah, driven by. Yeah. And what I was trying to impart and what I really felt in this community was I'd been living with the permaculture people that were really fear-based, and then I'd been living in Thailand in this beautiful island beach where it was a retox, detox haven, you know, LSD parties all night long and, like, raging and then yoga and meditation all day, but pretty ecologically unaware, but very spiritually, like, activated and moving towards, like, how could we as humans kind of find this peace and this purpose side by side, Right. right? Right. And I, I loved both of these places, but neither of them really spoke to me in, in, in their totality. Some are kind of just a little stagnant in, in the surrender and the dissolving. And the others were like a little too, bit too like right. fear-based. So, yeah, like, you know, I'm doing this out of duty and fear. And, yeah. and I was like... Prepping. Preppers. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. And so Inanita was really founded on this idea that we could come back to the land and we could live more simply. We could consume less because it fucking feels good. Yeah. To be a servant feels good. It's healthy. Mm. I don't really have to effort super strongly for my wellness because I'm surrounded by oxygen-giving plants mm. all day long. My feet are in the soil. Mm. I eat food that grows within a few kilometers of my home. What I a revelation. On a fire. What a revelation. Yeah. How... Simple can it be? I mean, I really respect and understand that this system has become, the system has become inescapable in so many ways. And these tiny little projects like I have, I mean, it's 50 acres, it's not tiny, but relative to the planet, it's tiny. Um, You know, there's a technological thing that's moving so fast that it's, we've almost got to be wound up in it or we will be eaten up by it. 
Maybe we need to be eaten up by it. Well, I'm not to get let a shift. Let that happen. Let that happen. It's the only way. I mean, at this point. Yeah, I I say let it happen. What what you're doing over there in Anita is the ancient gold standard, but it's now the modern gold standard. It's like flip flopped. But I love being the steward of a seed of a reminder that it's possible because I think that is important as we come through this big whatever is going to come and to hold that seed and to hold that connection and to be able to hold space for people to be reminded to remember that's trite at this day and age, but to really remember and to serve the earth and to work with people, you know, to also help people have this understanding of what kind of compassion is really necessary. Like, like here I'm in LA or the LA area and I've been in the United States for nearly two months now and I watch myself becoming more and more numb every minute to the the system. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if we're ever going to live in a whole and wholesome way again, I'd say that these these stewards, these gods that we are, you know, we've learned to destroy the planet. We've learned to reach other planets. We've increased our capacity and our human performance in ways that are amazing. Can we increase our compassion in that way? Because when we see again these animals, this wildlife, these simple people who live near the land, there's something that you can't unsee there. And I think the more people that can have those kinds of experiences, the richer the transition will be. There will be an imprint, a genetic code, if you will, that is possible. And I'm Part of my work in the world, it's not all of my work, but part of my work in the world is definitely to be there to remind people that that is possible. There is a a vision for utopia is still worth pointing the arrow to, even if it's imperfect and even, even all the things. I love where this conversation has gone to because this is really um, something that sits in the middle of my heart and it's projected mm-hmm. out through all my meridian points, mm-hmm. this type of this type of talk, because mm-hmm. this is the truth of who we are, where we are, and why we are. And my background with biodynamic farming and Waldorf education, mm-hmm. Dr. Rudolf Steiner's perspective, and I've said this multiple times in different applications in different ways, biodynamic farming was not designed and created to make the most mineral dense food, the most bioavailable food, it was actually to merge man and earth so that man becomes stewards through an empathetic connection. Uh-huh. Oh, I just got truth right? bumps, what I call truth bumps. Yeah. Right. And to teach children and to show children how to get involved at age two, three, four, and do your part mm-hmm. because you are blissing the land with your honor and your reverence and the the cosmos and being the connect, conductor of the cosmos and the earth and, and the earth body, the mineral body into the soil, that cultivates love, honor, respect, and empathy in a child at age three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. when they're still in theta brain waves and their imagination state can cultivate that love. And the beings that are um, harnessed through that level of cultivation, that is the embodiment that our mother earth it was used to and, and needs to have a pro- prolific utopic realm. And because we've gotten outside of that and because we're procreating at such a rapid clip mm-hmm. and the parents are now still children and their kids are now children, it's like we're in that generation loss. We've mm-hmm. forgotten what we've forgotten. We're in this worldwide state of amnesia. And now with the technological revolution, 
we're on a different we're, band wave and we're escaped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is where the harm is. And and Steiner said a hundred years ago we we're gonna be in an age of the aramonic impulse, mm-hmm. which is hyper, hyper materialism. And the souls are not gonna be fully incarnated in the body for a number of reasons. And we were, we're it's it's uh mm-hmm. it's an interesting time we are in. So but, these types mm-hmm. of conversations and what you're pulling out, I also see the the tantric coding. Yeah. in what you're doing in, in your homeland and what you've developed mm-hmm. over there. Would you say there is a merging of that coded system with how you are living in the philosophy of life well, on your land? I would say it's all one. You know, yeah. the, the connection, to this this lovemaking with the earth, which is regenerative lifestyle with the earth, that is as tantric as my lovemaking with God, my lovemaking with a lover, or my lovemaking with my purpose. You know, in this way, sure, tantra is about making love. But it's not about what I see out there sometimes. You're penetrating the land. You're you're penetrating. penetrating. You're penetrating with intent. You're penetrating. And then you're eating. You're receiving. It's it's this cycle. And that connection has been, like you said, broken. I want to speak to what you said about this age of what that Steiner pointed out. The aramonic impulse. Aramonic. Aramonic is the material material, demon. The material demon. We're dense. This is... We're... People are kind of stuck in a conundrum when we're living inside of, I mean, all things are inside the system, some things more than others. But I feel like people are stuck inside of a conundrum because there's this, I've been here and the, the onslaught of the impulse or the, the message to consume will make you happy mm-hmm. is there. So we're like trading. I, I heard this on another podcast, but it was epic. It was in some person, I don't remember the name of, but he said, we're trading um, our effectively rape of the earth for droplets of dopamine. I was like, oh my God, yeah. More trash in the ocean. Put more trash in the ocean. And we're in that phase. And what's one of the things that we do at Inanita and Ometepe is we we really show a lived experience where we can reduce consumption. Mm. But actually to reduce consumption... Going back to the sort of meta argument, if we reduce consumption, we reduce GDP. If we reduce GDP, we have no idea how to live anymore. And when I say we, I'm talking about the big we. But this, but actually, that is a part of the answer: is to, you know, kind of get rid of this armadudududu guy. Armonic impulse. Armonic impulse. So it's like we're under a, we're in a drug frenzy. Yeah. You know, we're hooked on the the opium. We're hooked on the cocaine. We're hooked on all of mm-hmm. these things. But the dopamine. Dope, yeah. That's it's dope. dope. I mean, pe- it. more people are hooked on dopamine than are hooked on all those other things. I've actually, I've recovered from cocaine addiction myself. Yeah. I know what addiction is. Yeah. But what I see is this insidious light level addiction in our culture as a whole mm-hmm. that is keeping us from living, feeling, and knowing how to merge our dharma or our purpose with our peace. Right. And peace and passion have been extracted from one another. That's right. And yeah. can we let them make love together inside of each of us? Yeah. And I was going to point back to um, the Steiner thing. I don't know when I, again, honoring my ancestors, my parents, they put me in a Montessori school Oh, great! when I was young. And I'm wondering if some of the imprints, I remember us being close to the land and learning to do things with our hands Absolutely. and the abacus, learning math with an abacus rather than learning it with a digital base, digital intellectualism. Base. Yeah, all of those things I do think informed me a lot. So just giving credit to where you're also bringing forward all this Steiner education, all this alternative way to be with children, big imprint. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. that's beautiful that you had the Montessori impulse mm-hmm. because that's built on the concepts of the Steiner Waldorf method, mm-hmm. which is, you know, 
we cannot just indoctrinate children through uh, old found educational systems. We must allow them to have practical wisdom within their intuition. And that starts for, by not only learning through the mind, but also doing things with your hands and feet. Hand, well, that's why you saw me moving that's my hands. Right. It's like so, yeah. we're so disembodied in the telephone thing. I'm, I'm addicted to my dopamine telephone as much as anybody else. But the lack of movement, the hunching of our bodies, is, oh, I just, like the invitation to go make love to nature. Like, Absolutely. Geez, like it's so simple. Yeah, it really is. It we're, I mean, speaking from firsthand nature, I, I, I know the pitfalls of, all these technological advancements, mm -hmm. yet um, I'm part of the hypocrisy of it. And I keep mm -hmm. telling myself, this is just for a little bit longer. It's just for a little bit longer. I'm fine balance throughout the process, fine balance throughout the process. But I, I really feel the, um, you know, the, the pain and suffering within my body and my mind mm -hmm. and my spirit when I'm, you know, stuck on that device for more than two hours in a given day. And I realize I'll never get that time back. Yeah. You know, and the, the, Ooh, that's a beautiful way to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm under the illusion that I just need to get to here and then I, and then I'll be able to let go. And it's, that's the, the grand illusion of our the, entire reality. It right? is. Yeah. We lose our presence. Right. And, and I, but again, I, you know, full compassion to you because there is something about it that, you know, you're in a position where you have a fair amount of global influence with the work that you do and you're using it in a really beautiful way and nonetheless there's there, you and I both know that there is something sick in it yeah. can I use that word sure. yeah. you know with love and compassion to you yeah. and you know how but yet you're kind of you almost it's almost necessitated by the technological world that you live in it's like yeah. you're not a victim to it but at the same time you will otherwise be devoured. So, you know, because you have competitors in your niche and in your niche, they're doing it this way. And so you kind of got to, otherwise you become survival. the full martyr. It's survival. Yeah. But that's an argument I'll challenge you on. Sure. Because it's not survival. Mm -hmm. It's, there is a piece of like some kind of uh, who I am in the world identity wrapped into that as well, because you're going to survive. Yeah. You're going to survive sure. and you're even going to thrive no matter what choice you make from this point sure. on in your life. I'm pretty sure about that. But yet you're, you know, your heart wants to be expressed and I have compassion for that. And your heart wants to be expressed in this world and this space to express your heart mm. would be diminished absolutely. if you didn't do what you do. So I'm not, but you will, you're, you're absolutely right. you'll survive and you'll thrive. Yeah. And I just, I have a vision. I'm going to share it with you. Let's go. What would it be to have Sherveen um, in his place in Hawaii behind a bamboo bar like a, like a cocktail bartender brewing up moment-to-moment -moment magical mix for, for the people who come there to stand barefooted together and like just live this wellness experience in, in its essence. Just throwing it out. Shambhala, Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana, Shambhala, your utopia. That's what I dream of and that's what I all so I want. So let's make it happen. We're making it happen. Fucking A, make we're making that it happen. happen. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and all the rest. Yeah. That and, and all, all the rest. rest. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean we right. abandon. Right. The machine, because yeah. you know, to bring our heart to the machine is necessary, but we could also have a taste of you on the totally, totally. in Shambhala. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you and thank you for creating that picture. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I definitely don't feel a, a victim nature of it. I didn't think you know, so. Yeah. yeah. The parts of it, there are moments because I've, I've been grieving over the last couple of years. I lost my best friend and, mm. and then sometimes that weaves into the madness of what it is that I'm doing. There's a lot of pressure sometimes that builds up and all the eyes on you and mm-hmm. expectations and projections, it gets intense. Yeah. And then you, you, sometimes you step out of yourself and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? You know? And then you get reminded every day by people that you're helping mm. people that are, you know, snapping out of, you know, whatever ego trap they're in yeah. and stuff like that. And those are the sparks that motivate and inspire. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we're all trying to figure this out. Absolutely. Right. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why I, you know, my, my hand, my arms are open to so many beautiful souls. And I've learned, I've learned that. Thank you. I've learned that being the student is Mm. really helpful in the process and really embodying the student and listening more, you know, doing a lot of listening Uh lately and just learning and listening and forever chopping wood and carrying water and doing that same dance every single day in every practice of my life, whether it's with my lover, my best friend, my family members, you, whoever it is, it's just really receiving that. And I, I feel that from you um, from the moment we met and I saw how much your heart is, is there and your presence too. That was another thing that really struck me um, with your energy is that you were hyper-present Whenever you and I would communicate, we'd see each other in the kitchen, mm. we'd see each other outside running along. I'd like to tease you and play with you a little bit and you were mm. you would give me zingers back. <laughs> but we were our eyes were locked on each yeah. other and we were there, present, not ten million other places and there wasn't recall from other shit. It was just like, boom. And then we would share a story and then run away. Right. I think that's that yeah. warrior nature that we share. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's like, cause what, I mean, if you're, if you're on the battlefield for the light, you got to stay, on, stay present. That's right. Yeah. 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 I can, that's how I kind of see myself. I'm on the battlefield for the light. I don't like to think of myself too much as a love and light person, but that's that way that I can integrate the shadow and the light. It's like, I'm a warrior, Yeah. but I'm a warrior with a mission for, for love, you know, like the heart. Fierce. Of the warrior. Fierce. Yeah. I want to actually go back around really quick to something you said because it was so important and it's so wise and something is, it's so true. And I'm touched with it every day, especially when I work one on one with people in their personal development. Um, you said we're being raised by children, or you pointed to this. Mm-hmm. There, we've lost the sense of the wisdom of our ancestors. Our ancestors, God bless them in so many ways, we're not taught to be ancestors, as in our parents. The value for youth and the value for beauty and the value for everything being new has really, like, and I know that your family is a strong imprint in your life and you've had to be quite a man for your family as well in your young years, due to whatever, you know, the story is. Totally, yeah. But to, you know, just offering you compassion for that because to be the, to carry a family line Mm. as a young person when, the people who came before us in the past, say, one or two generations just really were not, the culture sort of robbed them of their right to be revered as elders. Right. To just be. To just be and to be, yeah, they're just still, you know, chasing being a child again. It's not, it's more than just children raising children, but it's 
adults chasing being children again, because that's what the Milu is. I'm not blaming and I'm not making a victim of everyone, but that's what I see like you see yeah. in the Milu of our culture. And, yeah. you know, I encourage us all to just take a look at that and see where we might be on that journey. Totally. Like, that's, I mean, that's the Maya, right? The, the, the divine illusion mm -hmm. that whatever, for whatever reason, we have to be something outside of our evolution. Right. And that comes through now in modern world through competition and all the, you know, different mind staging that they're doing is that we have to keep up with the Jones in some capacity, mm -hmm. whether that's our financial success, our beauty success, mm -hmm. what, what it is that we do for a living, all these different things. And that's a lot of pressure for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and this economy, we, you know, to go back to what you were talking about, you know, the pillars of, you know, the American economy, economy and the worldwide economy at this point is war, disease, and consumerism. Right. And so- 100%. That's the pillars of our economy. Just think about that. I, know, I was said I, by I one of our presidents. I do think about that. I do yeah. think about that. All that, yeah. It's it's really you never had a chance. No, we don't have right? a chance. So the, these these types of conversations, I mean, and this will lead to like our kind of our descent out of here. And I'm really stoked that we had this conversation because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to take away from here. What are you what, what are you doing now? Like, what is what's the what's the next five years of your life look like? Wow, that's in, in terms of this conversation and. Um, the village that you've created, and and I don't think you've siloed that community. It's no, more, it's no, more no. Like this is an expansive. This heartbeat. is an expansive heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do have a vision or dream to create a similar place that would welcome um, more. Now, what can I say? People who have a bit more to take people who have a lot of influence and a lot of power in the world and get them into a space like this, to let them have this detox, to let them have this like remembering experience to really, and to build it in such a way that we can take all the technology we, we have and actually make love to the earth with it rather than rape her with it. Yeah. And then let that be an example of something that people can come into. This is what happens when we use our technology to make love to the earth. Feel how good you feel. Right. Like, feel how we could actually all be doing this together. That is one of my... Like, how much it comes back to... How me. much it comes... How good it feels. Yeah. Like, that's the irony is, for me. It's like, it actually... It so feels good, like, to actually not chase the dopamine, but let yourself be nourished by her. You know, I renamed myself Gaia at some point because I just love this Gaian philosophy that Gaia is this not just mother of the earth, but that it's a consciousness unto itself. And it's a consciousness where, you know, to have more and more people have that experience of connecting with that consciousness, more and more people who make really like, who have, who make decisions that have an impact. That's really important. It's super important. The, what you're saying here, this is, it just struck a chord for me. Um, this is the philosophy of freedom. You know, the elevator to happiness is broken. You take the stairs yeah. one step at a time. And mm -hmm. that's the same thing with dopamine. We're looking for the instant gratification of the dopamine release. Mm -hmm. But the actual happiness comes from the dopaminergic. The yeah, it's the, the dopaminergic, the, which is the effort, yes. which is in a steady pace, which right. is in a balanced pace. And you're constantly in pleasure. Mm -hmm. And that's that takes me back to Tantra as a... You could be orgasming the whole the time. time. The sexual aspect of time. Presence. Yeah, Every yeah. breath could be an orgasmic right. experience. That's because right. an orgasmic experience is really an experience that is, um, it's the non, it's the doing from the place of non-doing. Mm. It is the, the, it's, orgasm is actually not pleasure. Orgasm is actually the, 
the refractory period. Right. Yeah, it's not it's like sense, it's it's right? not parasympathetic. It's yeah. It's yeah. A, anyway. <laughs> What you're saying is, yeah, getting people in touch with chop wood, carry water. You use the words. Mm. And to chop wood, carry water is different than to be on a treadmill. By the way, I love lifting weights in your house, but <laughs> but it's different when, yeah. that, that, when that bucket's full of earth and just that, that reconnection to our effort and to ourselves. And I, and I will continue to work with people. I work with people. I do a, like three-week intensive self-development tantra workshops and couples retreats. And, and I see myself continuing to expand that. I may try. I've been really resistant to put it online. There's a lot of pressure to do so. Like you said, I'm trying to figure out how to respond to that pressure. Yeah. Because um, sure, you can reach more people. But what am I reaching people doing? Because there's something about embodiment. Mm -hmm. But I plan to continue to expand that work, continue to work with people. Maybe do a book about my life, a movie yeah. about my life. Yeah. A lot of people have encouraged me to do that. I think this... Um, we should do a retreat. This in constant Nicaragua reincarnation. Together. Yes. A, a retreat about what? About everything. About everything. I actually, I have a vision to um, do a retreat in Inanita this year, or maybe next, that would really invite... Um, the right people to showcase a different way of life. Um, yeah, to be, instead of being the chop wood carry water experience that we normally offer, I think a different kind of introduction to the whole system potential. I love that. You know, the whole system potential of what would a new paradigm look like? Because without knowing what the new paradigm look like, looks like we don't have an arrow. Failing without the plan a, is planning the fail. Exactly. And yeah. we, we need to recalibrate our arrow towards the potential for a really beautiful world. Right, right. And anything I can do and anything that spirit guides me to do, you know, the five-year plan, I've been picked up by my horns and suddenly had spirit tell me, your life is going that way. I remain open to that, whatever that is. Who wants to come to Nicaragua for a spirit freedom and a new definition Utopia. of the trajectory of your arrow retreat. I don't even like the name retreat. No, no, We're no. Not retreating. We're actually going in. No, it's like a yeah. utopia, reawakening utopia yeah. event. Yeah. Rediscovering. Yeah. Rediscovering. Yeah. Rediscovering the dream. Or remembering. Rem yeah, it's been used too many times. Okay. Re yeah. Uh, waking the fake up. Waking the fake up. There it is. Waking the, the wake the fake up retreat in Nicaragua. I love it. Gaia, Let's make it happen. That was the best ever. Thank you so much this for having clear, me. Clear, straight to the point, no fucks given, mm -hmm. heart intentional. And just I see and feel the love pouring out of every cell of your body, and it's not coated in a bunch of, you know, blank space of amnesia. Mm -hmm. And it's just rooted in the direct philosophy of what you've embodied throughout your life. And it's such an honor to receive your codes. I'm definitely a student of yours. And learn so much from your embodiment. You know, I honor you to the highest level. Thank you so much for having me here. And thanks for bringing this out in me. And thanks for all that you do. Magic, science, man. I fucking <laughs> deep love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.